everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Christian Project. Today, I am joined by absolutely no one. It's just me, and that's a little bit unfortunate, but it's okay because I have a very fun topic for us today, and I want to just let you know that most of what the information I got here comes from the book The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, written by John Mark Comer. Just so you know, I don't plagiarize anything. It's coming from this book, big inspiration for this episode. Have you ever heard the term, ain't no rest for the wicked, or I'll rest when I'm dead, or even better, the devil never takes a day off, so why should I? I actually hate, hate those terms. First of all, for ain't no rest for the wicked, why are you classifying yourself as wicked? For I'll rest when I'm dead. Why are you waiting till you're dead to take a day off? For the devil never takes a day off, so why should I? Why are you following the devil's example? Last time I checked, the devil loses. And plus, he's the devil. (laughs) I mean, if you couldn't tell, today's episode, we're going to be talking about rest. Like just taking a day off, just resting. Let's look at it physically speaking for a second. Physically, the opposite of rest is work. For example, exercise, that's considered work, and that's why we call it working out. Running a marathon, that's work. Lifting heavy weights, that is work. And as a personal trainer, I always advise my clients that one of the most important parts of exercise, of working out, is resting. Here's why. Our bodies are built to repair themselves when we rest. When we exercise, we break down our muscle fibers. And when we rest, we build them up stronger than when we were before. It's not only during our sleep cycles, but often we need a full day off, depending on how hard you work. So for example, five minutes of walking will not require nearly as much rest as running a 40-kilometer marathon. But we need to rest so our bodies can repair, can heal, can come back stronger. And all athletes know that rest is an important and vital part of their training. It's so essential that, in fact, a lot of coaches who work with athletes make rest deliberate. They have to modify their environment to force themselves to rest. Now, that's a wise practice that's done athletically speaking, because again, rest is the most important part if you're actually exercising consistently. But not only is it wise, it's essential. Our bodies are hardwired that we need to rest. But here's where we run into a little bit of a problem. From an exercise perspective, yeah, we do rest. But for some reason, for some reason, we as a culture decide not to rest from everything else. And I mean, I wasn't here, I wasn't around for this, but I hear from certain people who were around in the 70s and 80s that apparently Canada, on Sunday, everything was closed, except for the churches. You couldn't go to the pharmacy, you couldn't go to restaurants, you couldn't go to the mall, you couldn't do any of that stuff. You were forced to rest, to spend time with your family. For some reason now, it's ridiculous. On Sunday, everything's open and everyone waits to do their errands on that day. And 
And we as a culture have decided that we don't need to take a day of rest. You know what? Even our vacations are basically a job and we come back more tired than when we left. To put it another way, we have a problem that we are in a chronic state of restlessness, a life of busyness, and we overwork ourselves and give ourselves no time to recharge. And overworking yourself has never done you any good. In 2014, this is actually really interesting, there was a study, they took two groups of people. The first group of people worked 50 hours a week. 50 hours a week is about the same as a six-day work week. The second group of people worked 70 hours a week. They found that there was zero difference in productivity between the workers who logged 70 hours and the workers who logged 50 hours, insinuating that long hours actually make you less productive. So my question is, if, if me and all the other personal trainers in the world, we know that rest is an essential part of our physical health. How come we as a society have forgotten that rest is also a part of our spiritual health? So with that in mind, I want to bring back the topic of an old, old thing that we no longer practice today. Let's talk about Sabbath. And to talk about Sabbath, we got to jump back to the Old Testament. According to the Old Testament, which is where the practice of Sabbath started, Sabbath is a gift to God's people, but it's also a command. And not just a command, not just one of the few 613 laws in there, but it is part of the Ten Commandments. In fact, Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and that just literally means stop. Stop wanting more things. Stop working so much. Stop worrying about your life. Stop exhausting yourself. Just stop. Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male, nor your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord your God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath, and he made it holy. This command is repeated in Deuteronomy, but there's a notable difference. So when Moses talks about Exodus and the Sabbath in the book of Exodus, what we read is it's rooted in the creation story. He says, in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, everything in them, but he rested on the seventh day. It's rooted in creation. God rested. God rested. He made everything and he rested on the seventh day. That's a part of the way God made everything. He rested. And so we, his people, must imitate him. But when Moses talks about the Sabbath in Deuteronomy, 
chapter five, it's a little bit different. It's almost the same, but here's the difference. There's a verse. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Okay, so it's no longer rooted in the creation story, but it's rooted in the Exodus story. It's rooted in God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt. If you don't remember, Israel were slaves in Egypt. If you don't know, slaves don't get a Sabbath. They don't get a day off. They work every single day, night after day, day after day, 24-7 until they die. They're exhausted. God didn't want Israel to be slaves anymore. He wanted them to experience freedom. And that's why God talks about how he delivered them from Egypt, that they're no longer under the powerful and oppressive reign of the Egyptians. Okay, cool. So what? So what does this have anything to do with us as Christians today? And this seems to be where I get a lot of tension on the idea of Sabbath, because all the Christians I talk to about Sabbath say, listen, we're not Jewish. We don't need to practice the Sabbath. That was part of the old covenant. We find our rest in Jesus. I agree. I, I agree with all of that. I really do. All of those, I agree that we find our rest in Jesus, that Sabbath was part of the old covenant, that we do need to practice, uh, that we don't need to practice the Sabbath, that we're not Jewish. But I want to take some time to break apart this argument. So let's start with looking at Jesus' words in Mark 2, verse 27. Some context for this chapter, the Pharisees were watching Jesus, waiting for some time to, to pick on him, and his, him and his disciples started eating. Um, from the grain fields and they grabbed some grain and started eating now the pharisees developed some traditions where you were not allowed to do that on the sabbath because that was considered work and work is against what god wants you to do it wasn't necessarily a law that you weren't allowed to do that there was just it was just a tradition here's what jesus says the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath so the son of man is lord even of the sabbath so let's go ahead and look at that Jewish custom. To do this, we have to look at, there's two sides to the sin of not following the Sabbath correctly. The first is literally just not following the Sabbath. And we see that's a sin because in the Old Testament, in the Torah, when God told them to follow the Sabbath, and then later that day, there was a guy literally out working. God killed him. So the first is literally not following the Sabbath. The second is creating a legalistic culture around the Sabbath. If you don't know, the Old Testament doesn't have that many rules for how to keep the Sabbath as it does compared to everything else. 
the priests and their garments and how to do sacrifices and what to wear and and when you should follow these rules and what you should do with there were so many rules in the old testament so specific with what you could eat and how you could do things and how you could celebrate certain festivals so many rules and yet sabbath didn't have nearly as many as that so the Jews, the legalistic Jewish people of the day, needed to hear the second part of Jesus' statement. Man was not made for the Sabbath. But we, we aren't legalistic about Sabbath. We don't even celebrate Sabbath. We don't care about it. So we, as 21st century people today who are psychologically overworked, we're spiritually malnourished, we're emotionally exhausted, we're busy beyond our capabilities, we need to hear the first part of Jesus' statement. The Sabbath was made for man. It's a gift. Use it. But, yes, with that being said, it's no longer a commandment. In Romans 14, verse 5, Paul is talking to the Romans. There's two groups of believers here. The first group is one who felt guilty about not celebrating these days, and they felt what, what Paul classified them as weak believers um, because their conscience was telling them one thing. And then there's the strong believers, and the strong believers were like, we don't need to do this anymore. We don't need to worry about meat sacrificed to idols. We don't need to circumcise. We don't need to do that stuff. Here's what Paul says to them. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. In other words, each Christian should follow their conscience in matters that are not specifically prohibited or commanded in Scripture. In the New Testament, Sabbath is no longer commanded, nor is it prohibited. but that's where our conscience comes in. God's given us this mechanism to warn us. And in this case, your conscience warns you and it tells you whether you're overworked or burnt out or just plain exhausted and tired. It warns you when you need to take a break and just rest. Listen, God didn't make us to work nonstop. Yes, he did make us to work, but he also made us to rest. He wired us the same way that he created the universe, to rest. Our bodies and our fitness affirm that, that when we rest, we heal and recover. The creation story affirms that. The exodus affirms that. You want scientific evidence? A group of researchers took two people. The first group was secular people who did not rest, just worked whenever they could just like we do today, psychologically overworked, emotionally malnourished, we're exhausted. The second group of people was a group called Seventh-day Adventists. If you're not familiar with them, let's break down their name. Seventh-day, Sabbath, Adventists, they follow the Sabbath and it's heavily ingrained in their denomination. Guess what these groups of researchers found? The Seventh-day Adventists lived about 10 years longer on average compared to the secular group. In other words, taking that day off literally extended their life. 
okay, so what are you telling me to do, Eli? Are you telling me to go and become a Jew to, to follow the Sabbath? Well, listen, I never tell someone to do something that I have never tried before. So with that being said, recently my wife and I decided to try to start practicing the Sabbath. We took Sunday off of work. We used to work at the pizza store, my parents' pizza store. We took it off work. We stopped doing schoolwork. We cooked extra the night before. We cleaned the house the night before. We did the laundry and got everything done. And don't get me wrong, sometimes we got the whole process wrong. Sometimes it became legalistic where we, were, we had too many rules and if we didn't follow them, it became all or nothing where if we didn't do this, then we failed. But you know what? Here's what we found. It is one of the best things we may have discovered. And I think there is definitely a reason this is one of the only spiritual practices in the Ten Commandments. And God definitely had a reason for listing it there. Here's what we do now. A typical Sunday for us. Sleep in. Wake up whenever our bodies wake us up. Go downstairs, make a morning coffee. We spend time with God completely unrushed. And this is a big one for me because I'm normally rushing one thing to the next thing. What's next today? What's on my to-do list? Nope. Completely unrushed on Sabbath. Not focused on work. After that Bible time, we get ready. We head to church. We celebrate Christ's death and resurrection. We come back home. We heat up some food. We watch a TV show. We go on a walk or two walks. We play a board game. We call our parents. We read the Bible. We pray. We dance. We laugh. We find rest in God. Here's what we found. For the few months that we've been practicing this, every week we practice Sabbath, I walk in to Monday, the next day, so much more refreshed, so much more energized, and even excited to work. Excited to work. I've never been excited to work in my life, except when I practice this. I'm ready to tackle my to-do list. We grow closer in our own relationship, in our marriage, and also in our relationship with God. On the Sabbath, we recognize that God supplies us with all of our needs, and so we don't need anything else. We feel closer with Jesus. We feel the rest that Jesus supplies, something that we've almost never felt before. We realize that the same way we don't have to work for our salvation, we also don't have to work nonstop for the rest of our lives because God has literally given us an excuse to take a day off and just experience time with him. Dan Allender, he wrote a book called Sabbath. This is what he says. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives, without question or thought. It's the best day of the week. It's the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, we play, we dance, we have sex, we sing, we pray, we laugh, we tell stories, we read, we paint, we walk, and we watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter Sabbath and sanctify it and make it a holy week because a full day 
of the light and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. I, through my own experiences, can affirm that Sabbath has one of, been one of the most life-giving practices that we have done. Because not only are we resting from physical physical demands like exercise, we're not exercising, not working out, but also from all the clutter and desires of this world that we normally have on an everyday basis, we get to stop. Just stop. Take a second and realize that we don't need anything else. Have you realized that your desire is infinite? You always want more. I don't remember who said this, but there was a there was someone who said the only thing that can fulfill your desires in this life is everything. If you don't get everything, you will always be wanting more. Why? Because God wired us for infinite desire because our desire should be him and he is infinite. No finite material thing on this earth will ever quench your infinite desire of an infinite God. But on Sabbath, you can stop, stop desiring because you can find that desire fulfilled in God, not in anything of this world. But here's where we got to be careful because sometimes we tend to fall into the same practices as the first century Jews and trick ourselves into creating a legalistic Sabbath. Oh, if I do this, if I do this and if I do that, then it's right. But if I can't do this and I can't do that, I'm pretty sure I have some Jewish friends and they still celebrate Sabbath and there are so many rules. They're not allowed to go and flip the switch. They're not allowed to turn on the light. They're not allowed to turn on their stove. They're not allowed to sweep. They're not allowed to do all that stuff. They have to lay their clothes on the bed the night before. There's so many rules that it becomes an all or nothing. If you break the rule, you're not celebrating Sabbath. That's a sin. That's not how God intended it. That's why there's not that many rules governing Sabbath in the Old Testament. On the other side of it, sometimes we trick ourselves into having a Sabbath when really it's not. Eugene Peterson coined the term bastard Sabbath. He says, though you're not working for your employer per se, you're still working. You're running errands, you're cleaning your house, you're paying the bills, you're going to the grocery store, you're cooking, you're seeing a movie, you go shopping, you do all this stuff and your day is so busy that you forget to enter into God's rest. Back to what I said at the beginning. A lot of coaches have to train their athletes to take a deliberate day of rest. They have to set up their environment for success. The same goes for Sabbath. Rest is deliberate. You've never accidentally rested. And no, you can't say procrastination is you accidentally resting because even procrastination is a deliberate choice to stop working. Rest takes work. And that's what's funny about it. So what am I telling you to do here? Am I telling you to go become a Seventh-day Adventist and follow Sabbath for the rest of your life? No, of course not. Am I telling you to rest? Yes. Most likely, if you're like me, you've neglected rest as an essential part of not only your physical health, but also your spiritual health. 
and it catches up to you. Ultimately, only you know what you need and what God is calling you to do. I can only share what I've learned and what my own experiences have taught me. And I've learned that we as humans are hardwired, that we need rest physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. I'm not telling you to go out, drop everything, and start practicing Sabbath, but I am simply suggesting that there is a better way than what you're doing now. You don't need to emotionally and psychologically and physically overwork yourself. You need to find rest. And ultimately, the practice of Sabbath is about finding time to commune with Jesus and rest in him. Amen. If you listened all the way through this podcast, you're one of my three listeners. God bless you. I love you. Um, and I have a dad joke to reward you for your patience. There is nothing more lovely and more life-giving than the sound of a baby's laugh. Unless, of course, it's 3 a.m., you're home alone, and you don't have a baby. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And if you take one thing away from this podcast, I hope you find the rest that God wants you to have. You're amazing. And catch us next time on another episode of the Healthy Christian Project. It's getting really exciting. I have a lot of guest speakers lined up and a lot of interesting topics coming up. See you soon.